Stokes is onside. Wagner! Here's Sims. It's a good serve this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it! Just a minute to play. That's stoppage time. Here's Letizia. Hello and welcome. Uh, you're listening to the Saints FC podcast. Um, it is our last one of the season. It's episode 89. We're going to be going through our end of season awards and uh, who better to have in company for such a momentous occasion um, than Mr. Tom Parker. Tom, how are you? I'm really good, Tom. I'm really, uh, end of season awards is my favourite podcast of the year, so this is really exciting. It's it's kind of where we get to have recent nostalgia, isn't it? I mean, football's basically all about nostalgia, and this is our chance to to do it just over the last, well, I suppose twelve months in this case. Um, yeah. yeah, I think Wolves started their season a year and a day ago. I know they've, I know they, because they did they start in the Europa Champ uh, qualifying. Yeah, exactly that. Rounds like that to go to like Azerbaijan. Yeah, and I, like I, June or something. I think if Arsenal. Um, if Arsenal don't win the the cup, then they'll they'll be in that again. So, good luck to them. The rest of us, we have to wait till September the twelfth, um, which I'm looking forward to. It's the day before my mum's sixty fifth birthday, so we'll all be away as a family, and she'll probably get really annoyed at the fact that me, my brother, and my dad will all want to watch whatever Saints game is on. So, um, anyway, and that'll we'll be on, that. on Portuguese TV. Is that right, John? On Portuguese TV. Uh, what? Yeah. They're actually back in England now, so they're just finishing their quarantine. Ah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, they came from a, uh, a region in Portugal which I think had one case during the entire pandemic uh, to <laughs> the worst country in Europe, and they've had to quarantine. But anyway, we don't talk about government policy on this on this <laughs> show because it doesn't. Nobody nobody comes to the Saint Cecilia podcast to listen to that. Um, Tom, so. We've got some kind of standard business, which is getting through the Saints versus Sheffield United game. And then we get to move on to the end of season awards bit, which I think, you know, there's a lot to talk about there. So we'll try and do Saints Sheffield United quite quickly. I'm just going to run through kind of, I suppose, the um, the big chances in the game, the big talking points. The first one really being was... Well, I, I suppose kind of the first thing we need to talk about is the fact that Saints kind of had this very slow, ponderous first half where we really didn't have much in terms of attack um, until the point where kind of Ings was breaking forward, got blatantly fouled on the edge of the area. And whilst we were all kind of waiting for the referee to, to blow for a free kick, there was a, a long ball played down towards Billy Sharp, who we all know very well. He got the better of Vestergaard, managed to outpace him down the right and... Um, had to have a pretty impressive McCarthy block from his shot. So, um, Tom, did you get this bit in the highlights? Because I know that you were you were you were prevented from was, watching the game on Sunday. I was prevented due to family uh, friends boozing. Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, I think we still look shaky at the back, and 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 I think from what I, I mean, from what I've seen, you know, I didn't watch the whole game like you did. I, I mean, Vestergaard isn't the man that inspires peace is he amongst his fellow professionals uh, like a lot of the good things the Vestergaard does 
if you scroll a if you scroll the footage back, fifteen seconds they come from him kind of wildly screwing up in some way. And he just you know, we'll talk about the goal no doubt, but he didn't seem to inspire confidence. No, I, I suppose the goal was the next kind of big thing. So Lindstrom doing his thing. So I dropped him from my fancy league team. And of course, he therefore goes and gets a goal against Saints. So, you know, double, double badness for me. Um, again, it was Saints poorly defending a cross, wasn't it? Um, you know, it was a long, slow cross from quite far out wide. So you'd have thought um, that Vestgaard, who was the man who it kind of landed close to, would have been able to deal with it. But um, he fluffed his lines there and it kind of trickled past don't think Ryan Bertrand was expecting it, but Lundstrom was, and you know, it was a very good finish from him. Yeah, it was. I, it sort of hit the bottom of McCarthy, didn't it? I agree with you. I don't think anyone was expecting him to. It almost, it was almost like he expected a whistle had gone somewhere. Mm. But yeah, that's, everyone sort of stopped. But yeah, it, it was a very sort of Saints goal to concede, wasn't it? Like well, earlier in the season, Saints goal to concede of just sort of just stopping concentrating at the most important millisecond. Um, but it was a smart finish. Yeah. I mean, they're a good team, aren't they? they? They are a really good team. And I think, um, you know, Chris Wilder should probably be in shout for manager of the season because nobody um, thought Sheffield United would be finishing the top half of the season at the start start of the year. Um, uh, I was probably expecting them to get relegated. and uh, Yeah, you know, 100%. You know, they, 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 they did really well. Um so they kind of rightly went in ahead at half time. Um, Ralph has obviously had a good talking to the players during half time because we came out a totally transformed team. In fact, you know, you could almost say that it was a, an example of, um, you know, the, the season as it was, the first half being fairly dreadful and ponderous <laughs> and not creating enough chances and defending badly. And the second half, we really took the game to Sheffield United. Um, and it paid off. Che Adams got the equaliser with a really kind of smart finish at the near post, which came from a a, a through ball, which I'm going to attribute to Smallbone, although you may say that it actually kind of came from yeah. a Sheffield United tackle. But Is it clear who got the final touch? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, Smallbone had the ball and that's where he was looking to put it. So, you know, if that's yeah. where the tackle takes it, then then then, you know, that's fine. But... I mean, what I really want to talk about is Chadham's finish here because that was a finish of a striker who suddenly got a lot of confidence. It was only really a, a half chance, if anything. And, you know, to put it, um, you know, in the near post and beat the goalkeeper, he's been a you know, fantastic keeper for Sheffield United this season as well. I, I thought it was, was really, really great. And, it, you know, Chadham's firing like this is an exciting thing to behold isn't it I, I bet you can't wait for yeah. September the 12th to come round again well it's, it's what was I thought interesting about with his goal and the goal against Man City uh, I guess to an extent is um, it's something do you remember at the start of the season when Saints signed Sheridan and James Beattie was talking a lot about him because I think James Beattie had been one of the striking coaches at Birmingham Yeah, and I think one of the things James Beattie said was that uh, one of the reasons why Sheridan scores a lot of goals is because he shoots early mm. So it doesn't give people time to settle themselves. And uh, I remember reading a fantastic article about Steve Bull, uh, you know, from many, many moons ago. And one of Steve Bull's mottos when he went to play football was shoot early. You know, don't give goalkeepers and defenders a chance to get, to, to sort of 
to get used to what's about get you know accustomed to what's about to happen. And he, he kind of took everyone by surprise by taking the shot early and also putting it probably the side that um, the keeper wasn't expecting. But it was a again it, it's confidence, isn't it? All of a sudden the guy looks he looks like the guy we bought. You know, and he just he looks totally at ease at this level. And, uh, you know, if you imagine it's going to free up Danny Ings to do so much more damage, but it's a great finish. Yeah, really, really fantastic. Um, Saints kind of like dodginess wasn't totally out of the way now. One of the things we've seen Alex McCarthy doing a lot more, I think, post-lockdown is trying to play the ball out of the back. I think that's been something that Ralph must have been working on with him because... He is starting to do that a lot more. Um, I think kind of we, we probably appreciate that McCarthy is the most accomplished goalkeeper between him and Gunn at the moment. But Gunn is very good with his feet. And I think McCarthy's been working on that. But he doesn't always get it right and uh, got it pretty wrong. Um, not too shortly after kind of Shea Adams's goal where he passed the ball out to Billy Sharp Um and it took a hero's tackle from Oriol Romeo to, to stop yeah. Billy Sharp getting his, his shot away. And a bit of luck as well, wasn't it? Because you saw the ball, the ball, because it was a brilliant tackle from Romeo, but then you realised that ball could have actually just bounced anywhere. Yeah. Couldn't it? It could have just cannoned in. But yeah, Romeo, I mean, we probably need to talk about Romeo because he's, he's just become, he's almost always, he sees what's happening with Hobo and he thinks, right, well, you know what? I don't want them to find anyone else. Yeah, you know, I want that. I want that. I want that fighting position. And um, yeah, it was a brilliant. I'm still a bit sorry for Billy Sharp this season. He got sent off, didn't he, at Bramall Lane against us? Yeah. Um, and I know he's, he's had a good season, scoring two goals. But you'd have thought he probably would have loved to get a goal at St Mary's. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he would have done. Um, we then have the second half drinks break, and um, so, so I was watching this with a, a Chelsea fan. He was watching the Chelsea Wolves game. I was watching the Saints Sheffield United game, and I was like, "Oh, watch this!" Saints normally get better after the second drinks break because Ralph definitely uses that as a kind of moment to get in there and talk about tactics. And it was, you know, pretty immediate after that that we had um, Carl Walker Peters kind of taking a pretty good jinking run around, um, you know, down the right wing, starts to cut in, um, and I think he kind of doesn't really know what to do because the ball's on his left foot, which is obviously his weaker foot, but he has a shot anyway, which is blocked by one of the Sheffield United defenders and falls to, to Shea Adams. And, you know, Shea Adams already got a goal, already you know, showing the, his instincts, and you know, he does exactly what you'd expect an instinctive striker to do with a good bit of form, and he bangs it into the, into the goal again. Yeah, it's a bit Alan Shearer, wasn't it, at the finish? So it's sort of like falling backwards. Um, but again, like real power and real accuracy... Yeah, like he didn't. Again, he didn't really think, did he? Just, I mean, it was it wasn't an easy goal, um, and uh, you know you could argue like a shadow three months ago would have would have probably missed it, but it just again he. I mean, maybe everything is going to fall fall right for the guy. You know, all, all of a sudden he's making his own luck and he's just seemingly so much more confident. Um, yeah, and it was you know it was interesting because I thought Carl Walker Peters. With it, with his shot, he had so many players in front of him, and he didn't really have much on. But it kind of, you know, he still obviously had the confidence to have a shot on his wrong foot. So that says a lot about him. So it was a great finish. Yeah, but I'm I'm really pleased as well because I think kind of 
in the lockdown period, lots of people started talking about summer transfers and things like that. And a lot of people were saying that, um, you know, Che Adams should be, you know, sold. Um, and I've, I've never really thought that. I've thought, you know, even though he hasn't been banging the goals all season long, I've thought the times that we have seen him on the pitch, he's been playing a really, you know, interesting role in... In, in kind of supporting Danny Ings or Shane Long or Oberfemi, normally Ings, but he, he works really hard. He gets himself into good positions and he creates space for whoever he's working with. Um, you know, it just so happened, and yeah. I suppose this is Sod's law, that we would have wanted Ings to get the brace so that he could have um, got the golden boot, but it was Che Adams who was in the right place at the right time, and this time, you know, he's scoring the goals. And uh, and I think you're right, you know, he looks comfortable at this level, and, and the two players who I think will be worried now will be Shane Long and, and Michael Obafemi who are probably looking at next season now and thinking well I'm not necessarily going to be in the the, the first 11 I'm going to have to make mm. my impact from the bench yeah I mean I think with those, I, I think I mean I guess we can talk about that I think it, it's uh it just seems to work I think it would have been very poor for Saints to sell uh Shea Adams uh, this, you know, at the midway point through the season, you know, we weren't we're not blessed with, you know, attacking riches beyond Danny Ings and, and certainly not people who contribute regular goals. And I think, you know, we were, you know, what's that game against Chelsea? And Adams does all this boring, un, you know, this unselfish stuff, but he played a vital role. And I think it was a bit like, you know, obviously Ralph wanted him. And obviously, the Premier League does take time to, to get used to it. It's a really hard league to score goals in, particularly if you're coming up from the Championship. And I, I think it would have been real folly of Saints to, to get rid of him. Um, and, I, and I think it's, it's quite an... I, I was surprised that Saints fan, you know, a certain element of Saints fans' community didn't give Shea Adams more time. Yeah. Because he just... You know, he was getting in the right places and getting the right shots. He just, just wasn't going in. You know, just and so I think the idea that he didn't look good enough was wrong. I think it was it just wasn't happening for him. But I'm 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 delighted, and I think as well, you know, he does seem to have a little bit more in what we've seen a little bit more potency in terms of just being slightly more deadly than a than the current Shane Long, and and certainly you know a very young Michael Obafemi. Yeah, yeah, and he, he he's he's not. Particularly old, Chad. I mean, he's twenty-four years old. Twenty-four, yeah. Yeah. Um, just yeah. turned. He's only recently turned twenty-four, I think. Yeah, yeah. So. He just had his birthday a couple of weeks ago. So, um, you know, th- there's a good number of hopefully top-flight years left in him, I, I think, and a lot more top-flight goals. So, um, yeah, exciting times for him, I think. You know, Obafemi is only twenty years old, so he's he, if he bides his time, he will get his opportunity as well. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's, and over for me, for right now, seems to be more of an impact player, doesn't it? In the same way that, you know, you could argue Shane Long is a lot. And I think over for me, um, you know, has scored what? I mean, like three or four goals in the Premier League this season. Yeah. So that's as many as, um, as Shay Adams, um, which is not a bad return. There's not probably many, you know, what is he, over for me, what, 20? There's not many young strikers. In yeah. the Premier League, scoring. I mean, apart from the Man United kids, so he's got a future. I think he's just. He, I think obviously Shadon gives you just more of a complete all-round package. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd agree with you there. Um, we then had uh, Redmond 
kind of creating a chance for Danny Ings, who then, you know, he, he, he kind of gets felled in the box. It falls to Redmond, and really, you'd expect Redmond to kind of finish that off and, and get the goal himself, yeah. but it comes back he for a penalty. Have, he doesn't have confidence, does he? He doesn't finishing not there right now for Redmond. No. I mean, one of the things I did find about the game against Sheffield United, and you probably wouldn't have seen this in the highlights, Tom, but him and Bertram were linking up really well on the left wing again, and Redmond made some really good kind of runs into the opposition box, relieving pressure um, for Saints and kind of being really creative. So it was good to see Redmond kind of getting towards his, his best again. Um, although, you know, Redmond at his best definitely would have, would have had the goal there. Um, Danny Ings, you know, with the penalty, so much riding on it, he wanted to kind of give himself a chance of, of winning that golden boot. Did a much better job with this one than he did with his previous penalty, um, which was dreadful. Um, so, you know, yeah. g- g- good to see that improvement. Although still, I, I kind of argue, kind of still put it in an area where the keeper could get to it. He just hit it hard enough this time. Yeah, it was, it was a much better penalty. I, think, I mean, he must be kicking himself now, must not he, thinking of Peter just taking a better penalty against a, a dud Bournemouth team. Yeah, he'd have that joint golden boot in series. Um, yeah, it was a much better pen. It was it was a striker's penalty, wasn't it? Rather than a kind of like clever penalty. And I think yeah. he, yeah, he just obviously was, and I, I think it would be interesting if he had missed what would have happened, you know, after that. Who do you look to? Obviously, probably would have gone back to Wolf Prowse, but yeah. Wolf Prowse's record, I mean, we watched him, we watched him miss a penalty against Arsenal. Yeah, um, didn't we earlier this season, and, and obviously, and he missed he that one against Everton. Well. Against Everton. Yeah. So, yeah, we we need to do better. But um, I mean, I, I, I think if anyone, like if Ings wasn't going for the golden boot, surely you'd have given this to Chad Adams to get his hat trick. I don't know if they would have done because I don't think I don't think Ralph's like that. No, even last game I, of the season, you're already in yeah, the lead. Yeah, yeah, but John, it's it's. I think I read the very good Swiss Ramble on uh, Twitter said that Southampton finishing 11th instead of 12th was worth, I think, an, an additional £2.7 million for the club. So, so I guess you know, Martin I, Simmons I, wouldn't have been happy if he'd just let Chair Adams take it and he missed it and then Sheffield United could yeah, to get an equaliser. Exactly. And I think, also, I don't think, um, I don't think there is a, I don't think with Ralph there is a space for sentimentality. Yeah. You know, he's a, you know, if you, what you read is true, he's a kind of ruthless, efficient, uh, you know, numbers manager. And I don't, I don't think he, I, you know, I think if we'd been 3-1 up, then yeah, absolutely. But I don't think, you know, 2-1, how many, you know, how many leads the Saints had this season, you know, in the last two seasons they've squandered. I don't think, um, yeah, I don't think Ralph would have allowed it. Yeah. All right. Well, here's, here's an interesting, well, so, We'll get on to Ings anyway, because we've got the the awards coming up. Um, but here's an interesting stat about uh, Sheffield United have not lost from being ahead at half time um, until this game since 2014. That's 88 games where if they've been in the lead at half time, they have not lost the game. So, oh, that is impressive. Yeah, very impressive. Yeah, six years. And also, um, Saints terrible generally. Um, we, yeah, we we normally break terrible. records the wrong way, uh, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we're normally there. Oh, you've not scored in thirty-eight games. Here you go. <laughs> um, it's a good job we didn't yeah. have Man United on the last day of the season. Jesse Lingard would have definitely have got his goal against us. Oh God, yeah. Did you see that guy's bet? By mm. the way, it's better. Yeah, 
I know. I think it's um, it, it it was a fitting end. I think it, it's sort of flown under the radar, hasn't it? That game, obviously, and which you'd expect with everything else that's happening. But also, it kind of confirms the sort of quiet ruthlessness of Saints and their ability, you know, to just finish teams and, and manage games. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good win, John. I think it's it, and also is it the first time we've taken. Uh, 18 points off the promoted teams in something like since like 2001, 2002 season. Yeah, I'd wow. imagine so. I mean, I'm surprised if we've ever done that before, to be honest. Now we just need yeah. to get an extra 18 points from the Burnley, um, Newcastle and West Ham games next season. I, don't know. I mean, that, but that, isn't that, that's the challenge, isn't it, for Saints? It's, yeah. You know, if you look, we've actually, you know, I'm looking at the table now and the bottom four, you know, we've of the eight games we've played against them, we've won seven and we lost against Bournemouth. Um, so that's kind of flat track bullies, isn't it? Yeah. And if you look at the top four, you know, we've got a win against Chelsea, we've got two draws against Man United, and a win against Man City, which is not, which is a great return against the top four. It is the Saints, those get those games, isn't it? It's your Burnleys, it's your Everton's, it's your Newcastle. It's, it's the mid table teams. That's what's letting us down, yeah. Which is interesting uh, that we yeah, managed to get is... six points against Sheffield United. Mm. But that's what we need to do. Yeah. You know, to, you know. So, yeah. I mean, Tom, let's, let, let's talk about kind of the, the we could talk about the, the kind of overall Premier League table. 11th position, I think, is kind of roughly probably kind of where we expected us to, to be. Um, well, oh, at the start of the season, yeah. I guess. Yeah, you'd have probably thought so. Um, yeah. Which I, I guess is kind of like fair enough, um, and you know, so you'd say kind of like Ralph has done the business there. It was a bit of a roller coaster, I think we can all agree on that, because um, it was it was basically dreadful up until that international break when you know we came back, got that draw against Arsenal, pretty dodgy home game against Watford, but won it with that James Ward Prowse free kick, and then from there on in, we've we've really kind of kicked on. Um, and then we've had another kind of prolonged break um, with the kind of COVID-19 pandemic and Premier League football being shut down. And, and we've come out of that in absolutely scintillating form. I mean, that, that game against Sheffield United, that was our seventh game uh, since the Arsenal game, which was the last one that we'd lost, um, which is just really, really fantastic form. And if you look at the, say Saints have played nine games since the kind of project restarts and in that time we've accumulated 18 points won five games drawn three and lost one positive goal difference of eight and in a um, post lockdown league table Southampton would be securing Champions League football we'd be third position which and is just fantastic two, isn't po- it? two points per game average compared to sort of like 1.16 or something before that yeah um it's amazing. I mean, I think it shows with Ralph, if you think about it, it's almost a bit like the November um, international break, isn't it? Where obviously the more time he has to drill these players on this system and get everyone playing to a system that works, the better. And I think one of the interesting things is that he's been very confident about the short break, isn't he, between this season and next season. He actually believes that, you know, obviously from what he's seen 
in his players since project yeah, I hate to call it project restart, but, but since the, the since the season kicked back in, it's like he obviously has total faith in not only the players but the staff in terms of the fitness and the coaches to to, to keep them in optimal condition. Uh, it's it's an amazing and I think it's an amazing you know comeback if you if you think since you know how bad Saints were not only against Leicester but also against Everton and. I, I think it's funny, isn't it, that, you know, yes, like, I think tonight uh, um, uh, Klopp's been voted, you know, League Managers Association Manager of the Year. Well, yeah, he's won the league. Yeah. Very good. Uh, you know, I mean, look at the look at the wealth that he has at his disposal, you know, in terms of the quality of the players. Um, you know, he's had the best right back probably since Cafu drop into his, you know, drop out of the, the youth team into the first team and he's got, you know, Mane and Firmino and Salah and Van Dijk. Yeah, he's got phenomenal players at his disposal and I think, you know, of course Chris Wilder but, uh, you know, of course we're biased but surely Ralph deserves maybe third place on that list in yeah. terms of I mean, bringing it, turning it round. What's quite interesting is if, if if we'd kind of done those first, that first November bit, um, without Ralph and then had Southampton kind of sacked their manager and appointed Ralph Hasenhutl in that international break, then I think he would really very much be in the shout of, of winning the, the manager of the season. But I think because he was the manager responsible for our performances in the first kind of, you know, third of the season, that's probably where he, he falls down in that. But I mean, since November, there's a, a really strong argument to say that Ralph has been the, the best manager in the Premier League, which, yeah, you know... And isn't it incredible? We've taken more points than Leicester City since the Leicester City game. Yeah. Um, you know, fantastic. 44, I think, against 42. Amazing. Um, um, we've, we, you know, we've won 15 games this, uh, this season. Um, in, 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 the, in the Premier League, which is 39% win ratio for a season, which is pretty good. Highest points tally since the uh, Ronald Koeman season, where we finished sixth. Yeah, um, more points than 12, is that right? 12 got 46, which tells you something about the yeah, yeah, exactly. quality of the league that year. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah 52 points in total. Um, certain serendipity about us having a, a goal difference of minus nine. <laughs> Um, yeah. But you know, it's, it's it's been a massive improvement, and I think you know, forty four points of those were were won since that um, November break. So you know, only had eight points yeah. going into that, um, and and absolutely kind of post November, Ralph has been fantastic. And you know, I'm saying this with a bit of caution because this time last season we were really excited. I think we may have voted Ralph our hero of the season um, this time last season, Tom. Um, but uh, you know, we we are. Yeah, we're looking at a manager who I think can take us on to the next level. I think with a couple of good signings, we know we're going to lose Pierre or Hoiberg. Um, we know we need another centre-back, I think. Um, we need to make the Carl Walker-Peters loan deal permanent. And, you know, we also need to, I, I suppose, kind of weigh up our goalkeeping options. Um, but, you know, I think McCarthy's done well and if he can improve his passing a bit more so he stops passing to opposition attackers like Nketiah and Billy Sharp then that would be great yeah well I think I think you're right I think there's I mean by all accounts the centre-back is coming in isn't it Felicity, um from, from Spain 
yeah, I can't pretend I've seen anything of him beyond the, the YouTube highlights clips, which make every footballer like a world class genius. But um, <laughs> like Demons is quite positive. Yeah. Oh God, I don't mention that. I like that. But you know, like he, you know, obviously, um, Sevens. I don't know if you heard that interview with him. It was very positive about him in terms of the talent that he has and how he feels he can adapt. Yeah. And I agree. I don't think they need a huge amount. I think they will need to replace Hoiberg because I don't think. Um, I don't think Smallbone is, is that player. I think Smallbone is probably more of a number two for Stuart Armstrong mm. than, a, than a replacement for, for Hoiberg. But, is, you know, you know Harry, Harry Reid has yeah. had an absolute stonker of a season. And, um, you know, a player that we actually, you know, we're big fans of and we're always big fans of. And I always thought, I always thought Harry Reid has his, had his Saints career uh, unfairly uh, put the blocks on it by the signing of, um, oh gosh, his name escapes me, the short guy that we signed from Holland. Um, yeah, the, the little thuggish midfielder that was. Yeah. <laughs> I know ex- I've got his uh, face in my... Anyway, Tom, let's move on. We've got the whole kind of end of season awards to go through. All right. Um, firstly, just want to say a really big uh, thanks to all the listeners who wrote in and some of our former guests. So um, we've got votes from Carl Lanker from, from The Athletic. We've got Freddie from The Ugly Inside, Professor Simon Kemp, who was on a, an episode earlier in the season. Uh, my brother, my dad, my father-in-law, William the Porteous Pirate, uh, Jack, uh, Simon, Chris, Jude, Ben, Ewan, Lewis, Dan, Dylan, Harry, Nate... Edward, Mark, Dean, Andrew, Ben, James White, James Wills, uh, Darren White, Elliot, Muckers, Philip, Rob Price, and wow. Sonny too. So loads and loads of votes. Um, a little bit of a warning to our listeners. This is not a democracy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what I have done is I've made all of our shortlists, including the, the votes from our listeners. Um the first one, which I think is, I think we should do first, because quite often when it gets to when we're talking about kind of hero of the season or cult hero, um, you know, we're looking for for players that you know maybe have missed out on the kind of like big prize of the player of the year. Um, but Tom, here, here's a very very easy quiz for you. Okay, um, we, d- despite all those numbers of nominations, we only had one nominee for player of the season with 100% oh. of the votes. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, it can only be Danny Ings. Uh, uh, what an absolute season he's had. Uh, it's just He's just been absolutely fantastic. I think he's exceeded everyone's expectations. I don't know if he, maybe he's even exceeded his own expectations because it's just been a wonderful season from him. And I'm so proud that Danny Ings is a, is a Saints player. Yeah, I mean, where would we be? It doesn't, you know, where, where on earth would we be if it wasn't Danny Ings? I mean, I think we'd probably be looking at the championship and planning some away trips for, to, for the championship for next year. I mean, he's just, talk about stepping up as well and talking about kind of taking the, taking the mantle, looking at, you know, even with a very, even when Saints weren't playing well, Danny Ings was still scoring goals. Mm. So this is not like a recent phenomenon. He scored goals pretty consistently throughout the, the season. He scored all sorts of goals. I think we've had what headers, we've had goals from outside the box, we've had one on ones, we've had scrappy goals, we've had sublime Matlisio bits of skill goals. And and beyond the goals, like how much does he give Saints in terms of running and chasing and being the first defender? If you look at the goal, Armstrong's goal against 
against Man United. That's all about Danny Ings, you know, catching Paul Pogba. Yeah, he's just been been a phenomenon. I think what is he? Twenty eight. Feel sorry for him that the uh, that obviously the Euros was being postponed, but there's no reason why next year he can't have another season like this. It's not like he's a one trick pony, and if you work out how to stop the trick, he's got nothing left. Yeah, he's he's going to score all sorts of goals again next season. I see, uh, and yeah. He's got absolutely everything, hasn't he? I mean, we know he can yeah. finish. 22 goals in the Premier League, um, two in the League Cup, two very important goals in the League Cup, um, a sublime goal against Tottenham Hotspur in the FA Cup. So 25 goals in total. Really, really fantastic return. Um, you know, I've been really enjoying having a Carl Anker make his appearances on the podcast and reading what he's been writing in The Athletic. He just goes into a level of detail that I've not ever read about Southampton players uh, before from a kind of professional sports journalist. Sure, we've had some, you know, there's some really good Saints bloggers out there who sometimes go into that detail, but um, it's been really great to read his articles. And he's done articles on Danny Ings' running style, his shooting. Um, and yeah, recently this week, he had one on his different passes and he makes more different types yeah. of passes than any other... Uh, Premier League kind of forward um, and I actually think you know Carl could even have an article on Danny Ings' defensive abilities because he makes interceptions mm. he makes tackles he's sometimes back in the same spot making really vital clearances and blocks he's got absolutely everything John, I, mean, I mean if you look as well we've had a fantastic restart what set the tone for the restart was the game obviously against Norwich what sent the toe for the game against Norwich was two what two and a half minutes into the game Saints looking incredibly shaky and that ball drops, was it Chris Godfrey on the six-yard line? And who was there to, to tackle, you know, to get the ball away? It was Danny Ings. You know, and it, it, he's, at, he's at both ends of the pitch. Like, how often the ball's coming in the box and it's Danny Ings? He's just phenomenal. And I think he's, he's relishing it. And I think, you know, he's not like a Michael Owen that relies on explosive pace. Um, he's obviously just a very intelligent footballer. And I think... One of the great things about Ings is you can you can imagine in sort of two or three years' time him sort of settling into like an attacking midfielder kind of role. Um, but what a player! And, and if anyone else had got the the win for player of the season, it would have been a scandal. Yeah, I mean, so they are congratulations to Danny Ings. I know he'll be listening and absolutely delighted to have won Player of the Year. <laughs> He's got um, nothing bad to do, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I we we've never had a situation where it's been so clear-cut I don't think since we've been doing this podcast on who should win the player of the season and this is probably the first time we've had one Saints player who's been so good and so and it's not that the rest of the Saints team are hopeless you know that he's leagues above everyone else but not because other people are bad but because Danny Ings is just so so good he's unbelievable he's unplayable yeah. Um, we've got a lot of categories to get through, Tom. So, I mean, everyone knows Danny Ings is wonderful. Um, if uh, you'd like to complain about this, obviously send your emails <laughs> to saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, but I really don't think there could be anyone complaining about that. So, the nominations for Young Player of the Year, um, and we have an age range of 20 to 24 for this category. Um, I was asked, you know, do we have like rules for how young is young. Um, 
I responded uh, to that with the fact that, you know, we're an independent podcast. We have no rules. So that's fine. You can nominate whoever the hell you like. Um, we've had Michael Obafemi had quite a few votes. Carl Walker-Peters, interesting shout. You know, for someone who's only joined us halfway through the season. Will Smallbone, uh, Chairdoms, Musa Gineppo and even Jan Bednarek uh, got a vote as well. Tom, what do you think of our shortlist there? Strong. I mean, I'm actually now trying to work out who I actually. Uh, I, can, I can remind you who you voted for if you want. Yeah, who did I? You yeah, voted for, for I Michael Obafemi. Yeah. Make, oh, make, make your one, case for him. I, I, to be honest, it's not a, for me. It's not a crowded field of. Um, I don't think any one young player has particularly done amazingly well for Saints this season. That sounds a bit harsh. I, I wouldn't include Bednarek in that category. You know, Gineppo has been a bit hit and miss, you know, injury sending off. Um, you know, not seen him really. I, I, I like Oberfemi because I think um, Oberfemi has sort of something of a kind of bloke playing football down the park about him. And I think he, I think he's also got surprising levels of skill. So I think the goal against uh, Chelsea was one of my favourite goals this season you know where he puts it on his on his mm. long foot and a beautiful finish yeah I, th- I mean I, I would go over Femi because I think as well if you look at just impact you know he has had what is it I think four goals um, three goals in the Premier League I think I'm not three sure goals Premier League yeah what was that away at Chelsea away at West Ham and um, Man United, Man United. He does, he's still not scored us at Marys is he um, yeah I mean it's, I, I don't have strong views on this as you can probably work out yeah. John, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, the next two are Will Smallbone and Carl Walker-Peters. Um, che only got one vote, Janep only got two, and Jan Benrek only got one. So I think we can kind of exclude those three. Um, che Adams perhaps would have got more votes if people cast their votes yesterday or today, but most people got their votes in last week. Um, Will Smallbone has been, you know, good coming into the side but there's been a couple of games where he's been really bossed and and hasn't had particularly you know good performances i i actually i think carl walker peters is the interesting shout here 23 years old came in on loan from tottenham he's not played that many games um for southampton let's let's bring up his stats um because i'd you know i'd quite like to uh to kind of like maybe look at this, but I, I think which was the game which he just totally changed when he came on for uh, Heiberg was playing him right back. It was at the, um, oh gosh. I'll look at the fixtures. Yeah. No, I mean, I think there's a strong argument for a Carl Peters because I think if you, if you look at the other nominees, um, you know, Gineppo scored a couple of superstar goals. Um, you know, Obafemi scored some important goals. Smallbone looks like he could develop into a very good player. But what I would say is Saints have not really felt comfortable at right back, have they, for, for not just this season, but probably last season as well. Um, Valerie and Patches look good. But what he does seem to... if you, It's a bit like Bruno Fernandes getting voted in the team of the year. Yeah. Even though he arrived in January and you look at it and you go, that's really annoying. But if you look at the change... I guess if you were to look at it another way, which is if you look at the impact that player has had on the players around them, 
then that is that is something that's noticeable. And I think with Carl Walker Peters, he has seemingly maybe it's strong to say he's lifted everything at Saints, but he does seem to have provided something completely different, but also completely necessary. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry about that little bit of a uh, sound interference you may have got there. I was just looking at Carl Walker's Peter's stats on the on the web, and an annoying video kind of popped up. Um, I didn't hear it, John. Don't but you know, I, I don't think that should kind of take away from from kind of what you're saying there, because Carl Walker Peters has you know lifted Saints in in a lot of the games that he's played. Um, you know, even if we just take the the game. Um, that's just ha- just happened against Sheffield United. You know, he kind of created that chance for the, the Che Adams goal that, um, you know, that 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 kind of put us in the lead. And um, he he hasn't had that many games. Looking back at it, he's had eight games. His mm. first one was against Burnley, where he didn't do particularly well. But um, no one did, did they? To be fair, I mean, no. uh, you know, none of the Saints played Cotton Corey in that game. Um, then I, I suppose we saw Valerie kind of got into favour again, or you know, and had a really dreadful um, uh, p- performance against Norwich. He was kind of the only one who was playing particularly badly. Um, yeah. And then he came on at half time, didn't he, against Arsenal? Is that right? Uh, or was it against? Was it against Brighton? Yeah, well, he came on at half-time against Arsenal, I think, after Valerie was having another shocker, um, and then oh, came right, on at yeah, half-time sorry. against Brighton. And that was the game where I think he really changed the game. Um, but all, all the other games, I, I think he's got better and better with each game. You know, the, the, there's not, not many games there to choose from. But, I, I mean, it's, it's a shootout, I think, between Carl Walker-Peters and Michael Obafemi. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 look, I'm very happy to go Carl Walker Peters because I do think he's given Saints a real lift and, and also what skill, what trickery. Um, you know, also you look at the Bournemouth game, look at that fantastic clearance he did with his right foot, you know, with the ball coming across, uh, coming across goal. Um, it just, and it just plays with a smile on his face, doesn't yeah. it? Seems like a good guy, seems to fit in really well. Makes Stuart Armstrong look even better. Yeah. He, so, he also cleared a, a far-paced uh, cross with his head, despite only being, I don't know how tall he is. Yeah, he's there only about five six, isn't he? Right, there we are. It's decided. Carl Walker-Peters, congratulations. You've Yay. won Young Player of the Year. Hopefully that seals the deal. I think he's going to be signing for <laughs> Southampton for, for next season. Um, right, next next category, um, which I think is probably my favourite category of the season, because there's some really good ones to choose from. It's Goal of the Season. Um, say so I've got I've got five here for you to to kind of choose from Tom that people have nominated and voted for, and I've got I think I've got the commentary kind of lined up for each one. So um, hopefully there'll be no annoying adverts. Um, so first on the list we have the goal um, away to Chelsea, and I've got it right from the start of Ryan Bertrand taking a throw in deep into the Chelsea half um, with seemingly not much on, but what's going to happen? Terrific. Bertrand. To Redmond, from, gets it from the throw from Bertrand. Came infield, hit it across the pitch to Cedric. Inside right, 35 yards out to Armstrong. Again, he comes infield. Ward Prowse needs to make a decision. Hoybier's ball gets it back to Armstrong. Not bad as well. Into Redmond, back to goal. Two blue shirts around him. 
kept the ball well here, Saints. Still a sharpness about their game, which is nice. Like there was at Villa Day, that crispness. Ward Prowse, first time back to Stevens. They've gone back a lot of yards here, Saints, but they're keeping the ball and they've kept possession. Kept yeah, really and that's simple. a lovely back heel. And now Armstrong's gone past another player. He deserves something. He's going over the top to Redmond. Redmond past Kepa. He has his first goal since August. He got there ahead of the goalkeeper. It's Chelsea nil, Southampton two. Great work from Stuart Armstrong. Somehow he got it across to Redmond. And he got there before Kepper. And Nathan Redmond has waited since August for a goal in the Premier League. And he couldn't have scored in a bigger game. Chelsea nil, Southampton well, two. Armstrong has done absolutely fantastic. Tom, I, I absolutely love that goal, that Redmond uh, goal versus yeah. Chelsea. But it's it's a goal that's all about the team. Um, the kind of last you know three moves, we have Stevens plays it up to um, Armstrong, flicks it onto Ings. Ings does this kind of chip half volley back heel over the um chelsea uh left back to on onto armstrong who then kind of takes it past the player and chips the ball over to redmond who, who gets there before kepper and dinks it in as we um you know heard in the commentary there that was that was just a sensational team goal wasn't it yeah and then you know in in the interest of transparency this was my vote for, yeah. for goal of the year I, I loved it i thought it was brilliant i thought it was a really important goal as well because it was right in the middle of our purple patch but obviously away at Sanford Bridge not a place where Saints have got a really good record in recent years um, Chelsea are a bit shaky at home but again yeah, it's still a very 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 good team and we just we, we just tore them to shreds with that goal and it, and it was brilliant to see and it was involves you know, half the players in the team lots of lovely passing lots of lovely movement and then we just bisected them and also I was glad for Redmond because you know, he, he he has a difficult season. He, you know, he doesn't score probably as many goals as he probably thinks he should do. Um, but it was a really important goal. I mean, I, I love the John. I'm, I'm, I'm biased. And I just it was brilliant. Okay, here's next on the list, Tom. As much as you want them to close down, you want them to keep shape as well. Now they've not got the ball off, they've done it. Zinchenko caught and the long shot taken, that's 1-0 to Saints. What a strike and what a way to get your first goal for the club. First time, saw Edison off his line. Shea Adams on his ninth start for Southampton, recalled to the team has finally got a goal and it's a worldie first time right foot Cancelo looks up from the right deep in the so there we go Tom that was uh, Chadham's goal against Manchester City another very popular one with our listeners what did you make of that one again you know I love this for a different reason uh, I love this goal because it represented everything about Ralph Hasenhutl and his philosophy and his planning in terms of they know Edison's going to play the ball out. They know that's what Man City are going to do. They're going to try and play out from the back. They also know Zinchenko, let's face it, not good enough to be great in this Man City team. And that Edison, once he's played the ball out, will then, you know, stand on the edge of his D, watching the game unfurl in front of him. And it was brilliant, wasn't it? It was a, it was a great tackle from Stuart Armstrong. And then just instinct. And then even better than the instinct was the, the view from behind uh, Shadows, you you will see where you see the the ball curl. Yeah, yeah, it goes sort of outside the goal. I loved it, John. A, th- a bit of a um, travesty that that wasn't included in the. Well, there wasn't really a July goal of the month competition, was there? In match of the day last night, they went straight to goal of the season, and it wasn't included. Which 
I thought was a little bit unfair on Adams because it was a, a lovely goal and not many uh, people, you know, have scored from 40 yards out against the Golden Glove winner of, with this season. So um, yeah. fair play to Chad. Another very, very good goal. Here's a, a, another very popular one. See if you recognise this one from the commentary, Tom. Now, poor pass from Sheffield United and Adams has got the ball round Norwood. There's all sorts of yellow card going on there, but he's still going, Jennifer. Oh, it's brilliant! Oh, what a goal! Moussa Jennifer's done it again! Out of nothing! Held back, dragged back, went round two. So it's allowed him to go across the box. And it's in the- that, that was just a lovely goal as well. Individual goal, that Gineppo goal against Sheffield United. An, an incredible skill. Yeah. And I think, you know, at that point we thought we'd uncovered the new Mane. Yeah, and there's a lot, again, loads to like about that goal. One is that he doesn't go for the easy option when he's being pulled back. You know, he, he uses his upper body strength to get away. And then I think he does, the first time I've seen anyone do it since, since Buffal, which is where he, he drops the shoulder and puts someone on their ass, <laughs> like Buffal did against West Brom. And it was a lovely finish. I was actually, I remember that goal really well because I was in a hotel room in Winchester on a Saturday afternoon with my heavily pregnant wife. And we were taking, it was a boiling hot day and we were taking a break from the sun. And I remember thinking like, this is a great weekend. Yeah, this is a really good bloody weekend. But no, yeah. In, probably the best individual goal for Saints, John, would you say, since, since Buffalo West Brom? Yeah, I think that's that's probably fair enough. Right, we've got two more nominations, Tom. It's such a strong category. Um, here's the next one. And then they do force the error out of Spurs. And then they lift one over the top for Danny Ings. Ings in the box. Oh, onto his left foot. It's brilliant. Oh, it's a fantastic goal from Danny Ings. He's done it again. Saints top scorer. 17 minutes gone. Armstrong. There we go. That was Danny Ings' um, goal there, which I think on the kind of highlights reel, you don't get a chance to appreciate uh, Jack Stevens' wonderful oh, yeah. through ball. Um, it's against Tottenham Hotspur comes down the right over the head Danny Ings flicks it over I think it's Alderweireld uh, leaves Vertonghen for dead and then kind of slots it in um, into the goal um, so much to love about that goal as well as it being a winner against Tottenham Hotspur in, in the league yeah winner against the Mourinho team which is always nice and you're right I mean it starts obviously again you know the Saints you know, they don't just go out there and play, they obviously have clear instructions and Stevens, one of his thing is, you know, move that ball up the pitch and look to make that ball over the top with it with your right foot. And yeah, and it also like Stones had so much to do still, didn't he? You know, Alderweireld is uh, you know, or sorry, Vertonghen is no mug. And right. and Loris is definitely, you know, one of the better keepers and it is a yeah, he kind of slams it into the ground, which whether on purpose or not but again, it was a, it was such a smart finish. Yeah, you know I love those. It's a great goal, John. So I got I got one more goal yeah. to go, Tom, and this this kind go of on, finishes then. our nominations. Keeps the ball, checks back does well. Jetson Fernandez crosses deep to the back post. Should have been a shout for long. He's header clear. He's actually really good, and he set Redmond down the right hand side. Redmond's come inside a couple of players. He's got over halfway. What a run from Redmond! Finds Ings to his left, 20 yards out. Ings in the box, curls it past Lorries and scores for Saints. Brilliant move, fantastic run from Redmond, and it's third time lucky on the night for Danny Ings. Saints top scorer gives them the lead. So that was Danny Ings' goal away to Tottenham Hotspur um, in the the, the FA Cup kind of replay. 
And, oh, great you know, that, that kind of came from a Tottenham cross. Shane Long heads it out. Redman picks it up and goes on this incredible run where I think he takes it past Son and Deli Alley uh, before kind of passing it through to Ings. He then beats his man and slots it into the far post. And I mean, this goal I really, really enjoyed at, at the time. I just thought it was kind of, um, we talk about that kind of Saints away performance at Fulham of being the kind of like, you know, one of the peaks of Southampton kind of under Pochettino. Mm. Um, and I thought this was kind of another example of Saints, you know, playing really well as a unit, playing really well as a team. Um, but, you know, devastating that, that we lost that match because we really should have, we really should have won it. I think we were the better team by a long way in that game. Yeah. And it, you're right. And I think there's this, I can't remember, someone pointed on Twitter, I might have been, I think Mike Carl Anker actually, a brilliant Carl Anker points out that there's a, there's a thing that Danny Ings and Nathan Roman do where they touch little fingers. Have you seen this, John? And it's yeah. like a magic, it's like, cause they're magic together. Um, yeah, it was great. And everything's brilliant about Nathan Roman in terms of just confidence and directness and a great finish from Ings. And I don't know, but I felt when that, when that went in, I thought, oh my God, we could, we could go on to win the FA Cup. Yeah. It, 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 it yeah, felt that was a bit like, like that, like, oh it? my god! Um, it wasn't to be. No, it wasn't to be. And I think, kind of, almost for that reason alone, we might have to exclude that goal just because the other ones are all involved in winning performances or winning goals. And I think it would be a real travesty to choose when we've got such a strong shortlist to choose a goal that didn't end up with us winning the game. You know, the, I think great goals are also measured by their importance. Which means that mm. the four that uh, I want us to choose from, Tom, are that that first goal, the the home win against Spurs, the Danny Ings kind of, um, uh, you know, Jack Stevens wonderful through ball and Ings flick over and the finish. We got Gineppo's goal against Sheffield United, Adams' goal against Man City, and Redmond's goal against Chelsea, um, which I think you can attribute to the whole team, really. Yeah, well, I mean, John, what what are your thoughts? Well. My favourite is the Redmond goal against Chelsea, and I think that was your favourite as well, Tom. That that was my vote. I, I think there's lots to love in the others. The individual uh, brilliance of Gineppo and and, um, and and yeah, but I and I just think and shared it obviously. But there's just something about that that Redmond goal because you know you're right. There's an away win, important also, wasn't it? On like a Wednesday night or Monday night or something. Yeah, it was, it, it was over Christmas as well. I think it might have been Boxing yeah, it Day. Um, yeah, yeah, it was on Amazon. I remember that. Yeah. It, was, it was, yeah. I mean, John, I'm obviously my choice before, so I'm biased here. But for me, the team goal, lots to like about it. Winning goal away from home. For me, it's Redmond. But this is your podcast and you make the judgment. Well, I'm going for that goal as well. So um, we've actually overruled the listeners here who were 33% in favour of Adams versus City, uh, (laughs) 28% for Redmond versus Chelsea. Uh, But I think, you know, that that goal kind of really typified how far Saints have come. So that, that that's what I'm going for there. Um, So congratulations to Nathan Redmond, but I suppose importantly, congratulations to the whole team. Um, you know, for holding onto the ball, doing so well, and um, especially Stuart Armstrong, Danny Ings, um, and you know Jack Stevens, who are kind of, I suppose, the key players in that build-up play. But as we heard earlier, about twenty touches from the Saints team, you know, starting from that Ryan Bertrand throw-in. So, you know, really fantastic team goal. Um, next category, Tom, we've got hero of the season, and um, we've got Ooh. some, you know, we've got some nominations here. Um, 
And I'll, I'll read those out. So there was um, there was a vote for the board for sticking with Ralph Hasenhutl after the 9-0. Uh, there's, of course, Danny Ings um, for all the reasons that we mentioned why he won the player of the season. Uh, there's Ralph Hasenhutl, who I think won it last season, our hero of the season, um, for the performance of, of manager since you know, November and turning it all around. James Ward-Prowse got a lot of votes. Um, very, very popular choice since taking over the armband and just, you know, being, uh, I suppose, kind of like the, he's kind of, he's kind of like winning the shithousery award as well, hasn't he? Nine yellow cards from James Will Prowse this season, Tom, in the Premier League. Yeah. Such a nice young boy. I know. And, you know, (laughs) RAF haircut, double-barreled name, but, um, you know, nine yellow cards and and he knows what he's doing. Um, Other heroes we've got nominated, uh, we have Stuart Armstrong, Jack Stevens, Alex McCarthy and Ryan Bertrand. The Ryan Bertrand vote came particularly as an unsung hero because the person who voted for him felt that he gets overlooked in these sorts of things. So... Should we have a word on Ryan Bertrand? Because I, I do think we we probably overlook him as well and his work that, that he puts in for Saints. And he's one of those players that you expect to play well, so perhaps we don't make as much of it when he plays well as, as we do with kind of other players who we're less confident with. Yeah, I think, it's a fine, I think Saints, a lot of Saints fans, and I think I'm, yeah, I'm guilty of this as well for a lot of time. Until you think about it, you don't realise how lucky we are to have a player of the quality of Ryan Bertrand. I, I mean, I genuinely think Ryan, yeah, before, uh, you know, before this, before Danny Ings, probably alongside Danny Ings, Ryan Bertrand is probably the only player you could say could leave Saints and fit in comfortably at a top four club. Mm. You know, if you think about how Man City had Zinchenko, when Bertrand is twice the player. Um, and I, I think Bertrand gets a bit of stick, I think, because I, I, I don't, I never quite worked out why people don't love Ryan Bertrand, but he's a, yeah, he should still be in that England, he should be still be in and around that England squad. He's, he's brilliant for Saints. And he's also seems to have adapted perfectly to Rouse philosophy and then built a brilliant relationship with Nathan Redmond. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I, mean, I love it. Here we go. We bought Ryan Bertrand for £12 million in February 2015, um, having had him on loan, I think, since 2014. Um, and he'd been on loan to Aston Villa before then, and uh, on loan to Nottingham Forest before then, on loan to Reading before then, on loan to Norwich before then, on loan to Oldham before then. Oh, and Bournemouth, Bournemouth as well, yeah. Yeah, so all of those loan um, periods. He, he also won the Champions League, played in the Champions League final for Chelsea. So you know he's a he's won the the kind of top trophy in Europe as well. But uh, you know he, he is an unsung hero, and I, yeah, I'm glad that he got um, a nomination. But I I think probably I'm going to say that our shortlist Tom should really be Ings, Ralph, and James Ward Prowse for our hero of the season. And, you know, Ings yeah. is the obvious choice, but he has already won Player of the Year. Which maybe, you know... I mean... I'm, I'm going to be sentimental. Is, Even if Ralph isn't, I, I want to put kind of Ralph and James Ward-Prowse forward for this one. Yeah. I mean, my, my choice for this was uh, the board. Um, for sticking with Ralph. Um, but I can't understand why that's never going to be a popular choice. Um, but, yeah, I think I think... 
it doesn't have to be Ralph. I think Ralph, um, you know, I don't want to be all melodramatic here, but uh, if you'll indulge me, we, we live in a time of a, a, a lack of leadership, I think, John. You yeah. know, I don't want to be like, you know, I, I just, you know, if you look at like the leader of the world, Donald Trump, if you look at our prime minister, I think, you know, you could argue that over the last few years, there's been a lack of moral fiber, a lack of leadership. And that's hurt, that hurts people. I think one of the problems is there's no humility anymore. And the people are terrified of saying, yeah, you know what, I made a mistake, I got this wrong. And one of the things I like about Ralph is that he's a public figure, or he's only, he's only a football manager. After the Leicester game, he came out and said, this is no one else's fault but mine. I will fix it. I'm totally to blame. And then he says, you know, I have stepped away from my principles, you know, and, and that is, you know, and I need to go back to my principles. And that's quite heartening, isn't it? To see someone in public life, you know, he could have thrown the players under the bus, you know, he didn't. He came out and said, this is my fault, I'll fix it. And I think that takes, a, you know, an awful lot of courage after being humiliated in front of the whole sporting world. Yeah, um, I'm just going to uh, add to your speech there in favour of Ralph and uh, bring up um, one from Lewis who wrote in and he put kind of, Ralph, well, this could easily go to Sir Daniel Ings, but it seems fitting to give it to the man who has inspired one of the turnarounds of the season after the worst Friday night of the year uh, to finishing 11th, arise Ralph Hassenhuttle. So, uh, Tom, I, you know... I feel kind of like, you know, Ings has got prayer of the year, so let's give it to Ralph. And I think, you know, the board, yes, for sticking with him, but then it's all been about Ralph and going back to those principles and making the side work. And you know, he must have had to do an awful lot to win the players back over as well after that game, because I think there would have been a lot of question marks. There would have been players in the squad thinking, well, bloody hell, I'd, you know, I'm going to forever be remembered as being part of that team that that did that. And so I think, you know, let's give it to Ralph Hassan Hissel. Two years in a row, hero of the season from the Saints FC podcast. Congratulations, Ralph. Um, but, you know, amazing to go from that defeat, that performance against Everton, to getting a new contract and being awarded hero of the season. Anyway, Tom, we can't have a hero without a villain. And we've got a <laughs> lot of different nominations for villain of the season. We've got Charlie Austin. We've got Cedric. We've got Gary Neville in particular for that commentary in the game against oh. Manchester United. We've got Sofiane Buffel. We've got Pierre-Emile Hoiberg. We've got television and radio pundits constantly mentioning the 9-0. Uh, we've had a nomination for Mario Lamina. I think people are still kind of upset about the tonic <laughs> lemonade. Uh, Jan Valery, uh, Vestergaard, Jamie Vardy, Angus Gunn had quite a few nominations for being the keeper in that 9-0. Gal has had a couple of nominations. Brendan Rogers got a nomination. Wilfred Zaha. Uh, Burnley and West Ham United got a kind of joint nomination. I might kind of lump that in with long ball football that we can't play against. Um, <laughs> and a nomination for the Russian bot that has taken over Matthew Letizia's Twitter account, which I think is quite a good nomination. It's quite good. It's indeed a good nomination. Um, villain. I don't know. It's difficult, isn't it? Cause I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you can have a go at Jamie Vardy or, or 
you know, for putting us to the sword when we yeah. deserve to be put to the sword. Probably I mean, same God, with Brendan Rodgers there as well. <laughs> Brendan Rodgers, I mean, and I think, you know, whilst some players have some bad performances for Saints, but I think it's a bit tough on a player like Jan Valery, who's been very, very ill. Mm. Um, I, it's an interesting one. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I really, I'm not, I don't find many negatives from this. I mean, obviously we had negatives at the start of the season, but you have to look at it in the round. I don't, I can't think of, you know, a real villain that stands out. It's, even in an opposition it's more player. of a pantomime villain role, this, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know. I mean, even like Gao deserves some credit for sticking with Ralph. I mean, he could have just sacked him and bought in Allardyce. Yeah. And he didn't. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, John, what do you, what do you think? Well, that, I don't know. I think my kind of two favourites are probably the collective football pundits that mention 9-0. And I've, yeah. I've noticed on Twitter we've got that kind of like 9-0 bingo. So various Southampton Twitter accounts kind of revel in the um, how many minutes is it going to be before they mention the 9-0 after kickoff. And it's normally about two or three minutes that, that gets the prize. Um I like the Matthew, the Russian bot that's taken over Matthew Latissier's Twitter account, which is, uh, I've had quite a few um, listeners write in about how frustrating they've they found Matthew Latissier's tweeting um, on stuff that isn't football. Um, so I don't know, Tom, if you follow Matthew Latissier on Twitter, but... Yeah, I, I mean, I've thought about not, to be honest. Yeah, now. And, and, and a lot of Saints um, fans have, It's sad have, to see, isn't it, man? It's sad to see. Yeah, I I mean, this is kind of a a fairly controversial one because it's, um, you know, there there are people uh, who probably kind of like look at what Matthew Letizia is saying and, you know, they don't trust the government or the authorities. Um, To to, to put a bit of context for those uh, listeners who aren't on Twitter, Matthew Letizia has been tweeting... um, several things about the coronavirus, mainly kind of mistrusting what is put out in the mainstream media about coronavirus. And before that, he was in a bit of a, um, a campaign against climate change being real, which I find kind of particularly difficult because that's kind of where I started my career in trying to help organisations tackle climate change and, and stop contributing to it. So, you know, there, there's some things which lots of people have found quite frustrating. And I think especially on the coronavirus, because there was that really sad case of the Saints fan who is the IT yeah. guy who worked at um, ITV who died from coronavirus. And, you know, lots of us have lost family members to it. And, and they found those tweets being rather distasteful. Um, you know, it's an emotive kind of subject. Um, yeah, it's a strange, it's a strange um, hill for Matty to, to, you know, for one of the great expressions to die on, isn't it? Yeah, um, I mean, I'd just it like it if you went back to tweeting sad. about football, really. Yeah, and and the thing is, and again, like you know, we don't we try and avoid controversy, but you know, he has a huge public platform, and he has, rightly or wrongly, you know, people will trust what people like that say, and you know, with that. Yeah, with Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility, and and it's it's sad to see it it, it used in that way, um, the dissemination of misinformation and mistrust and sowing the seeds of, of doubt is, is is not what we need to be doing in these times, people. So, no. Matthew, if you're listening, 
I implore you, you know, think about the harm. Yeah. Um, this this is kind of taking a slightly depressing turn. So I mean, it's like, I mean, okay. So let, let's take that out because I think if you know, if we tweeted Saints FC podcast villain of the season, the Russian bot that's taken over Matthew Letizia's account, a few people will chuckle, but I'll probably just end up getting loads of online abuse which, from Twitter, which I just yeah. can't really be asked with, um, to put it bluntly. Um, which means you'll that, be considered um, part of the mainstream media, John. Yeah, exactly. I actually muted the <laughs> uh, phrase mainstream media on my Twitter account. <laughs> made life a lot a little bit easier i mean it's a bit odd that matthew letizia as part of the mainstream media working for sky sports news um criticize it sorry anyway let's move on right i'm going to put the two nominations i'm going to put forward are long ball football a la burnley and west ham united and the pundits for always mentioning the nine nil uh so i don't i don't mind i don't i don't have a problem with people playing long ball football against saints because ultimately their job is to win football matches yeah and if Southampton with a six foot seven Danish international centre back with years of playing in the Bundesliga, uh, and a six foot four goalkeeper who's allowed to use his hands, uh, can't handle long balls into the box, then that's our problem and no one else's. So there it is, the pundits in the mainstream <laughs> football media for constantly mentioning the 9-0 normally within about the first but, three minutes of every yeah, game but more than that John more than that like you know I'm going to give it to Marshall he's got the match winner oh yeah, yeah but that was Gary like, Neville I'm, got his own special nomination yeah, for that they, you can lump them all in I mean I'm looking now Garth Crook's team of the year you know just Man City and and, and uh, Liverpool players with a Bowie tucked in and and if you can argue that Aubameyang, who scored, I think, fewer goals than Ings, uh, Aubameyang playing for Arsenal um, is a better, has had a better season than Danny Ings, then, you, you know, you're a better man than I am. But, yeah. like, it's just, it's just all, they're all, they're all nuts, aren't they? Just pointing to just say what they see. There we go. Football pundits, congratulations. You've yeah. won the villain of the season from the Saints FC podcast, uh, which brings us on to our next category, Tom, most improved player of the season. We've had four nominations, Ooh. but there's really only two players that got a significant number of votes. So the two extra nominations were Michael Obafemi and Jan Bednarek. But the two players which are ahead of everyone else in this category are Jack Stevens and Stuart Armstrong. Yeah, well, I say, I mean, I think it's Stevens. I thought was good last season. Still, he had his moments where he. he I mean, I think one of the, the difference with, for me with Stevens this season is he hasn't had his kind of brain farts. Yeah, he's a few of them, or maybe we've been punished for them less because before he was a bit like a hoybelt, wasn't he? Where mm. things just sort of seemed to go wrong for him. Um, Armstrong's an interesting one because I just think Armstrong's been given a proper chance. I think, you know, Armstrong was always seen to be a very tidy footballer, but he seems to be given a proper chance. Um, I, I, I think with Stevens, one of the things I like about Stevens is the, the leadership. You know, clearly how he's grown into, grown into himself. He's much more confident, he's much more vocal. You know, he's, he's obviously very popular amongst the players. Um, oh, I, mean, I yeah. I mean, Stevens looks really good, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, th th let's talk about some of his. Um his nicknames because I've had the Cornish Cafu, the Cornish Maldini and the Cornish Beckenbauer, which are just three wonderful players to be compared to. 
Um, and I, you know, I think kind of if you look at Jack Stevens, his opportunity came when he was thrown on at half time during that game. And we won't fall into the kind of pundits who have just relegated to <laughs> the uh, villains <laughs> of the season. Um, but it, I, I suppose more than that, it was the games against Man City, I think, where Jack Stevens performed really well. Yeah. Um, in it was the, the away game at Man City, wasn't it? it was yeah, because we had a game in the well, League Cup and a game in the League. League Cup, we? yeah. And he, he scored, yeah. I think, in the League Cup game. Yeah, he did. Got yeah. a really good header. Um, I think. I think what's interesting with a game that shall not be mentioned is how not only was it definitive for Southampton in the way that we approached the rest of the season, but it, it literally marked the end of some players, didn't it? I mean, that was it. That was their, you know, like we never really saw. Yoshi ever again. You know, it was the end of Gunn. Um, Mallory, you know, that, it's just a very interesting the transformative effect of that game. Yeah. But, you know, I guess you either get broken or you get made by a game like that. And maybe Stevens was, was sort of forged in that game a little bit. Yeah. Um, Stuart Armstrong, I think, you know, really good shout. He has improved a lot. And also the Saints team have improved along with Stuart Armstrong. So as Armstrong's got better, Saints have got better. And, you know, is that it's, it's a two way relationship. It's a symbiotic relationship. But, you know, we, we've we've heard some commentary where Stevens played an amazing through ball. He scored against Man City this season. Um, he came in in really, really difficult circumstances and he stepped up to the plate. Um, he's got three nicknames which all relate him to really fantastic footballers. So I, I think it's Jack Stevens, Tom. Yeah, I would agree. I think. Yeah, and also we're not blessed with uh, abundance of quality at centre back. So Steve, and we still look a bit shaky. So Stevens, absolutely assists, goals, flying challenges. That game against Man City, yeah, oh. he wins it for me. Oh, wonderful! Right, so there you go. Congratulations, Jack Stevens, most improved player of the season. Now we come up to the best chance slash song of the season which I suppose it's a little bit of a shame that our best form came at a time when we weren't allowed to have any fans there. I think we'd have had some really good chance in the last nine games. Um, I've got four nominations here, Tom. Um, one from the game, which should not be mentioned, was we had Man City as our next game, and I think it was about 8 nil down, and we were chanting, Man City, we're coming for you, which is a nice <laughs> bit of gallows humour there. Um Quite a few shouts for he's got Zaha in his pocket. Do you remember oh, that yeah. one? Yeah, and uh, James Will Prowse actually checked his pocket on the sideline in front of great. the fans, in front of uh, I think it was the Itchen North for that one. Um, another very popular one is Danny Ink, Danny Ings, King of the Scummers. I couldn't find any audio for this online, Tom. So I wonder if you fancy giving this a a bit of a go yourself because you do like to do oh, the occasional song. No, I, I don't like to do this one. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll pass if that's... It, well, come on, Tom. It's a really easy one. Danny Ng is king of the scummers, but to the, to the, you know, the tune of Bread of Heaven, you know that, or you're not singing anymore. Yeah. Oh, I, oh. John, you do this. No. I'll promise I'll do the next one. <laughs> I refuse. This is my podcast. I'm not doing it. So we've got Danny Ng's king <laughs> of the scummers. Um, and then we've got the one which I, I think love how, uh, John, I love how you've turned into a dictator. You're overriding popular vote and now you're making like the court jester do things. Yeah, well, you know, there we go. You're drunk on power, John. 
I'll tell you what, um, there is one where we have got the audio from the fans and this one had a lot of votes as well. And this is a, a chant which is Pompey get battered 4-0 at home, which uh, I believe the Saints fans sung for about 20 minutes straight in the home game against Newcastle. So just have a little listen to this one, Tom. That video goes on and on, Tom. I could just, I could probably yeah. leave it playing the entire time that we talk about this. Um, it's a good one. Yeah. So anyway, that, that, that's the one I reckon that should win it. I mean, Zaha in his pocket, I think, you know, for James Will Prowse's um, reaction was pretty good. Danny Ng's King of the Scummers, you know, it's an obvious one and he is, you know, the King of the Scummers. I think we can all agree on, on that. The Gallows team is great as well. I mean, once again, the Saints fans, you know, they were there for the tough parts of the season. They weren't there for the really joyous parts of the season. But, you know, they they still kind of, you know, many of them stay to the bitter end in that game, sung to the bitter end. And, and they're, you know, we do sometimes complain about the atmosphere at St. Mary's, but, um, you know, especially the away fans are so good. But great to see this chant kind of like really taking off in a home game. So, th- I mean, that's that's my vote, Tom. What, what are you going for? Oh, I think it's just, I think it's... Uh... I think it's a well-deserved uh, chant. And also, I like the way it sort of gets manically fast. Yeah. You know, people start to sort of lose. It's almost a bit like a sort of tribal drum thing going on where people start to lose their minds a little bit. So I'm very happy to go with that. And also, I don't need to sing it. So double win. Okay. So there we go. Um, <laughs> two more awards to give out, Tom. One, we've got the iconic moment of the season and then we've got the cult hero after that. Um, lots of different nominations for iconic moments of the season. One of that sticking with Ralph. Uh, Adams's goal versus Man City as a kind of a representation of where we'd got to over the course of the season and beating Man City. Um, loads and loads and loads and loads of votes for the 4-0 win at Fratton Park. Um also, loads and loads of votes for Danny Ings' knee slide at the 4-0 at Fratton Park. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's, there's kind of two moments from that game. The Arsenal away game got a couple of votes, which many people saw as the turning point and Saints kind of being back to who they are. Um, beating Leicester City away as a kind of exercising that ghost got a lot of votes as well. Um, interestingly, a couple of votes for Manchester City away. So kind of after the 9-0 and kind of, you know, really trying to fight. But um, I'm not so sure about that one because I, I think, you know, whilst we kind of did fight in those games, we didn't get the victory. And I think that's, you know, we can't really have an iconic moment. Uh, someone uh, had the uh, Bournemouth away game because they watched that in a pub in Bournemouth, surrounded by Bournemouth fans. So they found that very amusing. Uh, the Man City at home, which I think you kind of linked to that Adams goal against Man City. Um, Watford away just basically that secured our survival in the Premier League for another season and uh, a nomination for the Armstrong goal against Aston Villa which kind of felt like you know Saints really on the up and a great way of finishing them off some great moments in there Tom yeah lots to choose from I, I would say if you think an iconic moment is something that 
yeah, it's Muhammad Ali standing over is it Joe Frazier or whatever it is. It's it's for me our equivalent from this season, or maybe I overacted a little bit, is the Danny Ings knee slide. Yeah. The Danny Ings knee just slide a, and the four nil. Just a four nil away at Pompey. Also not a time we didn't have much to be cheerful about in the no. season. Um and you know, I think as well for, for Ings himself to, to Kind of took that game by the scruff of the neck, didn't they? Because I mean, if we're really honest with ourselves, the Saints were pretty poor until we scored. Yeah, um, I, it was quite yeah. worrying, wasn't it? Until until that goal. Um, yeah, but his quality—he's got he's got more quality, isn't he, than a, than a Pompey player? But yeah, I, I just think because for that that moment where he kind of just—you could just hear that like, I'm going to take control of this situation. I'm going to own this moment. Uh, yeah. It was a it was a great news slide. Do, do you want to relive that moment, Tom? I was in a I was in a pub in London. Yeah, no, it was just here, he, here we go. Here we go. Tom. Yeah, go on, sorry, go on. This. this game, if they get it right, but it feels at the moment like it's all Pompey, and it is, and their attitude's right. And now Saints looking for some space. Adams just dealt dwelt, dwelt on the ball a bit long, but he's still got it to Obafemi, thirty yards out. Finds Danny Ings who shoots first time. McGilvery with a good save. Southampton's first shot of the evening. Snapshot from Ings at his right foot. And McGillivray saved. And Ings will have another good deflection. Southampton totally against the run of play. Had the lead. It deflects. But it is Danny Ings who flies back into his own half. The Southampton fan. Southampton player. On his knees. The 2,000 fans go mad away to our right. And having been under the cosh for 10 minutes. Saints strike at Fratton Park in the derby. Pompey nil. Southampton won. And Danny Ings the scorer. Isn't that just wonderful to listen to? That's just so sweet yeah. beating Pompey, isn't it? Doesn't get much better, does it? No. Doesn't get and also what was it? We, we you know, we now won't have a uh you know, obviously now still no more you know, they're not coming up for the championship, so Yeah. I mean I, I think was it in, in the run up to that game they were chanting or maybe it was the season before, you know, that no, I think it was earlier in in the season they were chanting, you know, the Saints are going down, Pompey are going up, and blah 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 blah. And you know, Saints have finished eleventh in the Premier League table, and you know, Pompey, whatever happens to them, play the playoffs. They did. Yeah. So yeah, no, I'm John. I think it's a, it's a it's a truly iconic moment. Yeah, and it's uh, a, it's, yeah, it's good for Danny Ings to get two awards in this end of year podcast. Cult Hero is our last award of the evening, Tom. So this is it. This is going to wrap up the Saints of Sea podcast for the season. We have a few weeks break before we come back for next season. Lots of um, nominations for the Cult Hero. We've got James Will Prowse, specifically for his shithousery. Uh, Danny Ings, Dagord. That's uh, how Carl Anker describes him. Um, Stuart Armstrong. Gets quite a few mentions. Ooh. So cool, so smooth, so much fine hair, so much quality, so vital to the team. I think you know there's some some kind of good good nominations, good reasons there. Danny Ings, um, my father-in-law nominated my brother for sticking out the the nine nil um, against oh, Leicester. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I actually think you know if we're going to choose a cult hero from that game. Um, I'd choose the guy who sat in front of my brother who had a drip landing on his head and still managed to sit out for the entire game. So fair play <laughs> to him. Um, Romeo's Tackles and Muscles is another nomination. Um, we've got Jack Stevens making an appearance. More for 
uh, James Will Prowse, um, you know, Chad Adams as well. I love him. A lot of people, you know, think that he hasn't had much success, but, you know, to get that goals against Man City, Bournemouth and Sheffield United. Loads more for Danny Ings. Jan Bednarak making an appearance. Maya Yoshida making an appearance in Cult Hero. Um, as does Ali Deer, who I think is forever a cult hero in Southampton, but maybe not specifically <laughs> for this season. Um, oh, this is a good one. I like this one. The Saints fan who has sat in a wheelchair at Fratton Park. Did you remember this in one, Tom? Yeah. In the, in the He's in the home end because at Fratton Park, they didn't have any disabled oh, yeah, spaces. So he, yeah. In, so um, he's in the home end, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, so no disabled spaces in the away end. So he was sat in the home end and um, in that kind of iconic moment of the Danny Ings knee side, you can see him in the background with all these glum-looking Portsmouth fans doing all the kind of like V signs and um, the Farage wave, as it's known, um, you know, towards Danny Ings. And there's that one guy in his wheelchair just going absolutely crazy. Yeah, that's, that's a good shout, that one. A um, few more Stevens, a few more for Yoshida, Romeo and Ralph, as well as the cult hero. So, you know, there's there's some options there. I tend to think normally with this one, we give it to a player who hasn't won an award yet, um, but we feel like, you know, should, shouldn't go away from the Saints of Sea podcast awards um, empty-handed. Oh, and actually one more as well. Um, this one was from Professor Simon Kemp. An honourable mention in Cult Hero, away from the pitch, has to go to Carl Anker. Loved his articles. Quality of research and writing has un- yeah. transformed my understanding of the team. I see it all differently now. And he's gently cleared the fog from my view and genuinely thank him for that. So that's another strong shout, isn't it? Yeah, there's a lot of love for Carl Anker, both yeah. on this podcast and beyond. The, the only problem with Carl Anker is that a lot of his stuff is behind a paywall, isn't it? So, you know, if you hey, have to get the, paid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I suppose, actually, we're seeing that happen more and more now, aren't we? Lots of the newspapers are going behind a paywall. Um, you know, we've had Jeremy Wilson good on this journalism. podcast before, and he's kind of hidden behind a paywall now, it's the Telegraph. Yeah, good journalism. I mean, I, well, you know, I'm biased for a lot of journalists every day, but good journalism costs money. Yeah. Um, so what what do you think about those kind of cult heroes? So there's a lot to choose from there. I mean, I think there's something there about the fans, isn't there? The fans that stay to the end of a 9-0. Yeah. I know, I know that's not strictly one of the nominations, but any Saints fan who on a Friday night, uh, you know, in the unbelievable torrential rain, thought that's where they'll be to the end of 90 minutes, surely deserves some sort of, Civilian equivalent of the Victoria Cross or whatever it is. Um, who would you go for, John? Who are you? I mean, Ingsy's a bit obvious, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Ings isn't so much a cult hero as just the hero. Um, the although hero, we actually yeah. gave the hero award to Ralph, but you know, Ings got Player of the Year. Um, I, I quite like Armstrong for this one, you know, purely because he he's yeah. made you know he's he's um. He's made such a big improvement. I quite like Yoshida as well because you know, he never got the send off that he wanted. We have given him awards in the past. Um, I mean, Armstrong is is would fit the mould because he's not as whiz bang exciting as say a Nathan Redmond. He's not as well known as a Danny Ings, but he's kind of he's vital, isn't he, to this Saints mm. team? And and also, um, you know, the more you read about Stuart Armstrong, I think he did an interview recently. I think it was with the Independent, I remember, um, where he just seems like a genuinely likable, very down-to-earth, very hard-working professional. 
Yeah. Um, and I think he would kind of fit the fit the mold of a cult hero. I mean, his, his hair alone is surely worth some sort of award. Yeah, I mean, if I look across at the votes, Stuart Armstrong got the most votes from our listeners as well. He he had about just under a third of the votes in this category, which has obviously got a lot of different, um, yeah, a lot of different kind of nominations in it. But he was the only one who kind of consistently appeared in that. Um, along with Danny Ings, obviously got a few votes, but but Stuart Armstrong even outdid Danny Ings in the kind of cult hero category. So, I mean, that there, there is something there, isn't there? Yeah, I I, I look, I think he's. I mean, also, just, you know, not just he looks great and he seems like a nice bloke, but impact. I mean, how many? What, what is he our second top goal scorer this season in the Premier League? What's he got? He must have at least five goals. Yeah, I, th- I think you're pretty much spot on on that. So let me just filter this out to goals this season for Southampton. Um, and it is, yeah, Danny Ings with 22 in the Premier League, then Stuart Armstrong and James Ward-Prowse were the next ones, and then Chad Adams and Nathan Redmond following up. So five goals from Stuart Armstrong, five from James Ward-Prowse. I mean, James Ward-Prowse is another good good shout, isn't it? I mean, there's nine yeah. yellow cards, five goals. Um, the Zaha in the pocket was fantastic, but humour. In, in a world where footballers, they're not known for their humour, are they? They're not known for their sort of thinking on their feet. They're very kind of professional now. Uh, that bit there, just the kind of looking for Zaha in the pocket was a, a moment of brilliance. Yeah. I mean, I, I quite um, like this idea of, you know, the cult of James Will Prowse, where, you know, people wander around with double-barreled names looking incredibly smart and nice, <laughs> but actually turn out to be total bastards. Um, there's something... But what was it? Was it Ralph said about him that he, you know, he's the sort, was it Ralph said it about him? That no, it's, it's Claude Puel said of James Will Prowse that, you know, he's your ideal son-in-law. Yeah, which was, a, which was an insult. Yeah, it was a it was a disguised insult, quite a clever insult, I thought from Claude Puel. Yeah. No, I I I, I, look, I, I I'm torn between the two, but I I think War Prowse is too high profile to be a cult. Do you think? Well, I can't explain why I think that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's kind of like the same reason why why you kind of don't allow Danny Ings to win this because he. He's not a cult hero. I mean, I can see why Karl Anker is nominating him because Karl Anker moves in different circles to us. But uh, amongst the Saints fans, you know, Danny Ings is just uh, unbelievable. He is, he is the God. He is, he is the God of Saints at the moment. But, um, but yeah, oh, I'm, I'm really torn now, Tom, because I, I quite like the James Ward Prowse. And, and it's the cult of James Ward Prowse that is that, it's that shit housery. It's the it's the yellow cards. It's the um, it's the naughty. It's a lot of tactical fouls, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, also, is it more? You, you said earlier, John. I think when we were messaging, uh, more run covered more ground than any other player. Oh yeah, league. yeah, yeah. I haven't even mentioned that. Yeah, James Ward-Prowse covered the most ground of any Premier League player this season. So it runs more than anyone else as well. And did he play every single minute of every Premier League game this season? He played every single minute of every single Premier League game. Um, yeah, I, I think scored some important goals, stepped up to the captaincy. You know what? The more you talk about it, the harder it is to move away from James Ward-Prowse. Yeah, I feel mean to Stuart Armstrong, especially after he's got all those votes. Hey, look, Stuart's doing all right for himself. Yeah, I mean, 
there's that like wonderful photo of him in his dressing gown with his missus <laughs> you know he's living the high life already oh can we have two cult heroes i don't know is that allowed hey john you're in charge you can do what the hell you like i think that's kind of bottling it james will prowse would, allow, you know james will prowse would trip over Stuart armstrong and run you know to the pick up the trophy before him wouldn't he yeah, also while digging him in the ribs or just chewing yeah. on his toes or something. What are you going to go with, John? Um, I, I was fairly sure I was going to give this to Stuart Armstrong, but I think I might have taught myself out of it and I, I might be giving it to um, to James Will Prowse. Tom, is, is that acceptable behaviour? Listeners, will you forgive me? I mean, you, you're very welcome to write in and complain about all of these awards. Obviously, saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com, at saintsfcpodcast.com on twitter um tom i'm gonna do it it's james will push the button on jwp yeah, yeah. you know Tom john Hero. it's your pocket you're in charge and i think uh and also we're we talking we're hearing rumors of a new five-year contract i think it's signed isn't it signed still delivered or is it just a rumor well it's not been announced yet okay so um again but doesn't that that cement that sort of commitment you know yeah. contrasting beautifully to to Pierre or Hoiberg, not that because Pierre or Hoiberg anything, but uh, you know, again, you know, one hundred percent commitment, one hundred percent focus on Saints. And yeah, you know, could we end up with another recipient of the Atletico Bilbao One Club Man Trophy in James Ward Prowse? Oh, who knows? Um, I think it's certainly possible, isn't it? And, and he has got so much better, um, but it's it's not it's not even his good performances or his good goals that he's getting this award for. It's for the, it's for the dark side of James Will Prowse. I want everyone, mm. everyone to be clear on that. Um, anyway, Pierre Mohoiberg's won our cult hero in the, in the past anyway. So, you know, whatever. Um, Tom, that's, that's kind of it. I mean, are there any other awards you just want to suddenly pull out at the last moment and, and make, I mean, we could just give Stuart Armstrong the finest hair of the saints, you know, so he's so yeah. he gets an award. There's no, there's no shame in that. I think, um, no, I, I think, or maybe it, best it, Instagram post <laughs> in his dressing gown. In his dressing gown, yeah. Look, I, I just, I'm so positive about Saints right now. I cannot wait for the season to start again in, in seven weeks' time. Yeah. Um, thank you very much, listeners, for sticking with us for another season. Um, I also want to say thank you um, to those of you that kind of chipped in. Um, for our kind of crowdfunder that we did, I think at the end of last season as well, uh, that kind of gave a lot of confidence to to me to kind of keep this thing going. It showed me that you guys kind of wanted us to to stick around. We are sticking around, or certainly that's that's the plans at the moment, unless Tom's you know handing his notice to me, and I don't know this yet. Um, but I'm, I'm really yes, excited I like about. A, I get a transfer to another. I get another. Tra- I get transferred to like a bigger team. Yeah, like a Liverpool podcast. It's you're like gonna, a big money. No, you're going to go and do the Toffees podcast in the pursuit of Champions League <laughs> football. Definitely a backwards step. Yeah, definitely a backwards step. Right. Yeah, no, it's been it's been a great season. Yeah. Um, 
you know, thank you, listeners. Do get in touch, saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you know, loads of you wrote really lovely messages along with kind of sending in your nominations for the awards. And, you know, we're already over an hour and a half into this podcast. I would have loved to kind of read those out, but make sure you um, email in next season as well. Email in over the summer break if you want to, and we'll try and get your questions answered or your opinions raised on the podcast. And Tom and I, or whoever else is on the podcast, will have uh, a go answering them. Uh, but thank you very very much um tom i think you know we, we've we've got to the end of the show and the end of the season well done thank thank you for sticking with me as well tom right well, john it's a, it's a pleasure and an honor to be a part of this i, I love it i, I want to highlight of my week so thank you for having me. brilliant thank you all i suppose there's only one last thing for us to do now and that's listen to the fancy oh when the saints go marching in <laughs>